You may be seated. all the men to come forward. If you can come forward, if you can grab a knee, if you can stand, we're all going to pray together, and I just want to ask the men to do that. I was thinking about this on the way in this morning, and uh, whether or not we should do this or not, but God prompted me to do it. Yeah. Sometimes it's good to have the men pray, right? Amen. Father, we come before you right now as men of God, and we just call upon your name. Show us your glory, Lord. We invite your Holy Spirit to fill this room today. There are so many that are here that are represented by many needs. Some are our health needs, some are financial needs. Whatever it is, Lord, we pray that we would have a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit today to minister to every need. And not just here, Lord, but to take it from here out into this world that needs to see your light. And so, Father, we stand by the truth of your word together as men of God that you will do what your word promises today and every day. And so we'll thank you for it in your mighty and holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, men. You may be seated. So last week, I introduced taking a different approach to the new year than what we typically do. It's okay to have personal goals, but these goals should never be at the expense of being more like Jesus. This is the greatest calling of our lives, and it should be the highest priority of our lives, being more like Jesus. So we kicked 2024 off last week with our new message series, Are You Able? Are you able to be more like Jesus. If you missed last week's message, I want to encourage you to go online and listen or watch it because we talked about one of the greatest obstacles that we all need to overcome in order to be more like Jesus. And this obstacle is a trap that Satan so cleverly sets for us. He sets the bait. He then lures us in with an offense. And when we become offended, bam, that trap is sprung. And we are all so easily offended. 
And to live like and for Jesus, we have got to be unoffendable. No matter how much our flesh wants to push back on this, we do not ever have the right to be offended. A child of God who gets offended has forgotten what they have been forgiven of. We all have offended God, and therefore we all have the right to burn in hell forever for it. But God loved us so much that he chose not to deal with our offenses as we deserve. He was unoffendable because he is able. And so the question I posed last week is, are you able? Are you able to be unoffendable? We talked all about how to handle offenses when they come, and they absolutely will come. It's guaranteed. It's how we handle them that truly matters. This week, we are continuing our journey of being more like Jesus. Not only are we to be unoffendable, we are to be teachable or teach-able. We're going to talk about the importance of us being teachable and us being able to teach others. Teach-able. Now, there once was an old, wise master of martial arts. He had a young and eager student who came to him and asked him to teach him. And so the master invited the student to sit with him and have some tea. While they were sitting together, the master began to talk with the student. But every time the master began to explain a point he was making, the student would interrupt him and say, Oh, I know that. When that happens, I just do this. Or he would say to the master, I don't have that problem because of this. And after a while of the student continuing to interrupt the master and seemingly always having an answer to everything, the master just stopped talking and picked up the teapot. He then began pouring tea into the student's cup. He continued pouring tea into the student's cup even as it overflowed and spilled out everywhere. The student shouted, Stop! That's enough! My cup is full! And then the master looked at him with a smile on his face and said, Yes, Your cup is full, and therefore, I can teach you nothing until you empty your cup. And you see, you and I can often be just like that young martial arts student. We can have an unteachable attitude. Instead of listening, we often want to show what we already know. We may not be open to learning anything new because we feel like we already know and have it already figured out. We need to be able to empty our cup. That doesn't mean that we dump everything out that we already know. It just means that we become teachable. And this is so very important because as long as we're here on this earth, there will always be more to learn. Being teachable means we desire to learn and grow, but so often we are deceived to ignore and go. We can either learn and grow or ignore and go. That's really what it comes down to. Those are our two choices in this life. And we must choose wisely. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 32 tells us that to ignore and go is to hate your own soul. He who disdains instruction despises his own soul. And not only that, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1 tells us that if we ignore and go, we are stupid. He who hates correction is stupid. That's strong, isn't it? That's really strong. 
to be unteachable is to hate your own soul and to be stupid. Now, that may be strong, but that is the truth. So basically, we can be wise by learning and growing, or we can be incredibly foolish by ignoring and going. To put it another way, we can either be teachable or unteachable. I want to compare and contrast a couple of examples from Scripture to help illustrate what it means to be teachable versus unteachable. In Exodus chapter 18, we encounter how Moses handled some wise advice from his father-in-law Jethro. God had rescued Moses and his people from, uh, and the, of Israel from the slavery that they'd been under for more than 400 years. It was an absolutely miraculous time. God led them by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He parted the Red Sea so they all could walk through on dry ground. Moses was God's chosen leader to take the Israelites through all of this as they traveled in the wilderness to the land that God had promised them. As you can imagine, Moses was incredibly busy taking care of and leading all the people. And when Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, saw all that Moses was doing, he offered him some wise advice. So if you've got your Bibles, please turn with me to Exodus chapter 18, second book in the Bible. Exodus chapter 18. We're going to begin here in verse 13. <clears throat> the next day, Moses took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. They waited before him from morning till evening. Did you catch that? Morning till evening. All day long, Moses had to sit and hear one dispute after another. Can you imagine how tired Moses must have been? He had to serve as the judge for every petty disagreement between the people. Continuing in verse 14, when Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he asked, what are you really accomplishing here? Why are you trying to do all of this alone while everyone stands around you from morning till evening? There it is again. Okay, so Jethro just posed a very direct question to Moses. Now, many of us may have been offended by this question. Who are you to tell me anything? I am Moses. I am God's chosen shepherd for these people. I am a friend of God. I talk to God face to face. Who are you to tell me? Moses could have easily responded that way. And many of us often respond just like that when we get advice from other people. Now, we may not say that directly, but it sure does cross our minds. Who are you to tell me as we look right down our nose at that person? Did you know that God sometimes speaks to us through other people? Sometimes those other people can be right in your own home. And it's not always easy to hear advice coming from our own family, is it? Am I the only one? <laughs> and you guys are quiet. So let's keep reading and see how Moses actually responds. Verse 15. Moses replied, Because the people come to me to get a ruling from God. When a dispute arises, they come to me, and I am the one who settles the case between the quarreling parties. I inform the people of God's decrees and give them his instructions. Notice that Moses did not respond with a defensive attitude, did he? No, not at all. He simply stated the facts as he knew them. 
Now, let's see how his father-in-law responds to these facts. Watch this, verse 17. This is not good, Moses' father-in-law explained. You're going to wear yourself out, and the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Now listen to me, and let me give you a word of advice. And may God be with you. I love that. You see how he's softening it? He's softening any sense of defensiveness right there. And may God be with you. You should continue to be the people's representative before God, bringing their disputes to him. Teach them God's decrees and give them his instructions. Show them how to conduct their lives. Verse 21. But select from all the people capable, honest men who fear God. Those are the kind of men you want to surround yourself with. Men that fear God. And hate bribes. Appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,000, 150, and 10. They should always be available to solve the people's common disputes. But have them bring the major cases to you. Let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. They will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. If you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so, then you will be able to endure the pressures, and all these people will go home in peace. Wow, that's some great advice, isn't it, about how to delegate leadership. And I just love how Jethro gave it to him. He begins by saying, may God be with you. And then he gives his advice. And then right after that, my favorite part of Jethro's words to Moses are at the end of verse 22. If you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so, he gives Moses advice and is essentially saying, if God validates what I told you by affirming it, then you will be able to endure. I just love that. Jethro is saying, don't stand by what I said just because I said it. If God commands you to do it, then do it. That is awesome advice. Now, let's see how Moses responds to this. Verse 24. Moses listened to his father-in-law's advice and followed his suggestions. He chose capable men from all over Israel and appointed them as leaders over the people. He put them in charge of groups of 1,000, 100, 50, and 10. These men were always available to solve the people's common disputes. They brought the major cases to Moses, but they took care of the smaller matters themselves. Moses listened and followed his father-in-law's advice. Why? Because he was teachable. Moses was teachable. And Jethro had the courage and the wisdom to speak into Moses' life because he was teach-able. We must be both teachable and we must be teach-able. Are you with me? Amen. Now, we're going to unpack how to do this in just a minute. But I want to contrast this example of how Moses responded to Jethro to the Pharisees in Jesus' day and how they often responded. So we're going to jump from the Old Testament into the New Testament. So turn with me to John chapter 9. John chapter 9. Patty, you know where that is, right? <laughs> we were just talking about this before service. Let me set this up before, you, uh, set this up before we, we begin in verse 27. Jesus made a point to say in verse 5, While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. It was one of his seven I am statements in the book of John. It was also yet another claim of Jesus being God himself. Now, Jesus doesn't leave it there with just words. 
he proves what he says by healing a man who had been born blind. He said, I am the light of the world. He takes a man who's been born blind, has been in darkness his whole life, and brings him into the light by healing his vision. And this just dumbfounded the Pharisees. So they brought the man who had been born blind before them, and they questioned him. And they didn't like at all what they heard because it was contrary to their own thinking. It was contrary to their own understanding. So the Pharisees then questioned the blind man's parents. His parents validated that the man was indeed their son and that he had been born blind. But they would not answer the question on how he was healed. They simply said, he's old enough, ask him. So the Pharisees bring the man who had been born blind before them a second time. And we're going to pick up on the dialogue there in verse 27 of John chapter 9. Here's what this blind man said. He said, look, the man explained, I told you once, didn't you listen? Where are we at here? Make sure. Yeah, I'm right, right there. That word listen is one of the primary keys to being teachable. If we're not listening, we are not learning. If you remember from the example that we just went through with Moses in Exodus 18, he listened to his father-in-law. The Pharisees didn't listen because they weren't willing to listen. They were unteachable. Now, let's continue with the blind man's comments to the Pharisees in verse 27. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they cursed him and said, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. Watch this. I love this right here. This is the blind man again. Back to them. Why, that's very strange, the man replied. He heals my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from? Can you feel the tension here now in this dialogue? Can you imagine how these Pharisees, these well-educated and studied teachers of religious law, must be feeling right at this moment? You have this poor, formerly blind beggar who's about to take them to the woodshed, man. He is. Watch what else he says here in verse 31. The blind man continues. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. Oh, man, now they're mad. They are really mad now. Here's what they say in verse 34. You were born a total sinner, they answered. Are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. Basically, what they just said was, who are you to tell me? They were unteachable. Why is that? Because their pride was blinding them. And that's the great irony in this whole story. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Then he heals a blind man who lived his entire life in darkness and is now in the light. And yet here we are with these Pharisees who think they're in the light, but they are in fact in the darkness. They were blind, and that made them unteachable. I wonder how many of us act just like that at times. We're not willing to listen. We think we're in the light, but we're actually in the dark. Our pride and our ego can make us blind. can also make us deaf, too. We don't want to listen. We think we already know the answer, or we don't like the source of who is trying to teach us. Scripture tells us in James chapter 1, verse 19, that we are to be quick to listen 
and slow to speak. And yet we are often just the opposite, aren't we? We are slow to listen and quick to speak. Think about this with me. Think about how many times you are often formulating in your mind what you want to say while someone is speaking to you. I see you. (laughs) You're not really listening. You are preparing to speak. Listen, we need to listen to understand, not to respond. I had an old colleague of mine, an old wise colleague of mine. He shared that nugget of truth with me many years ago, and I didn't even realize the biblical truth behind that statement because the Bible is full of examples and admonitions about listening. We need to listen to understand, not to respond. We often get so fixated on what we want to say or our point of view (coughs) that we aren't even ready to listen because we don't have the right attitude of being teachable. Our cup is full. And we're not interested in anyone else's cup. We're only concerned about our own. So let's get really practical together, and let's talk specifically about how to be teachable and how to be teachable. Now, the very first thing we must do to be teachable is to be humble. Humility is what leads to teachability. It's the starting point. You want to be teachable? Then you must be humble. Jesus said this to his disciples in Matthew chapter 18, verses 3 through 4. He said, truly, I tell you, unless you turn and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever does what? Humbles himself like this child. This one is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Think about the faith of a child. This is what Jesus is driving at here. A child's cup is not full. They are eager to learn, and they willingly trust. When we are teachable, we act like children. This makes us able to learn because we are humble. And when we are humble, we don't think we know it all. Being teachable starts with being humble. The next thing we must do to be teachable is to seek wisdom. We've got to seek wisdom. The Bible is full of wisdom, especially in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 20, tells us to get all the advice and instruction you can so you will be wise the rest of your life. In other words, be teachable by seeking wisdom. Get all the advice and instruction you possibly can. And how we do this is primarily by listening. Listening. Proverbs chapter 8, verses 32 through 36 says this. Now then, my children, listen to me. If you read the greater context here in chapter 8, you'll find that the me that this text is referring to is wisdom itself. Now then, my children, listen to me. Listen to wisdom. He goes on. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Whose ways? Wisdom's ways. Verse 33. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord. But those who fail to find me harm themselves. All who hate me love death. Three times in this text, God is commanding us to listen to him. The emphasis here tells us that we all have a serious listening problem, don't we? Because if we're not listening, we are not learning. We cannot be teachable without being willing to listen. 
Listening is how we get knowledge that will ultimately lead to wisdom. You see, the difference between knowledge and wisdom is simply this. Knowledge is gaining all kinds of facts, learning a whole bunch of stuff. Wisdom is when we actually apply what we've learned. That's the difference between those two. Wisdom is simply the application of the knowledge that we have obtained. And we should always have the mindset to seek wisdom. Now, let me get a bit deeper here and tie this all together on how to be teachable. You want to be teachable? Here's what it all comes down to right here. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Now, some of you might be perplexed by this. Fear the Lord? The Bible tells us not to fear. Well, first off, we're not talking about being afraid. That's not the kind of fear we're talking about here. That's not at all what the fear of the Lord is. The fear of the Lord is not to run away from God in fear. It's actually the exact opposite. To fear the Lord is to love him and treasure him so much that you can't stand the thought of being away from him. You can't stand the thought of disappointing him. The fear of the Lord is to have so much reverence for him that it actually results in obedience. To fear the Lord is to worship him for the almighty and amazing God he is. He is the king of glory. He is the hope of glory. He is the Lord of lords. The fear of the Lord is an incredibly deep and rich subject. And the Bible is absolutely full of the fear of the Lord. All the way through it. From the Old Testament to the New Testament. How many of you have ever thought about something like maybe you were going to get a new car, right? And it was a Volkswagen. Suddenly you're driving down the road. What do you see? Volkswagens everywhere, right? The same is true with the fear of the Lord. I promise you, man, open your Bible and you will see it all over the place. Start in Psalms. It's right there. It's in Psalm chapter 2. You'll see it. And you just keep seeing it over and over and over and over. That's the theme that you see. And I love that subject. To be teachable, we must fear the Lord. Why is that? Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. It's the beginning. It's the beginning of knowledge, and it's the beginning of wisdom. In other words, it's the foundation. It's where all knowledge and wisdom starts. It's what we should build our entire lives upon. That's how important the fear of the Lord is. And to be teachable, we must fear the Lord. Now, some of you may know that the week in between Christmas and New Year's, I got really sick. I was really sick. I was down, laid out. I couldn't do much of anything. And whatever it was, I, I, I don't know what that, what that crud was. It's still, I think it's still in my house. My son's struggling with it now. But, man, I was forced to slow down and get some rest. I don't like doing that, but that's what happened. And one of the things that I did was I read this incredibly awesome book. It's called The Awe of God, and it's by Pastor John Bevere. And I'll put this on the screen so you can see it. And um, it's all about how a healthy fear of God will absolutely transform your life. Now listen, I cannot recommend a book more than this one right here. I'm not one to push books on you, and that's just not, not how I roll, and I don't get a lot of time to read a lot of them, but this one right here is that good, okay? It will change your life. 
If you want to understand the fear of the Lord and how to have greater intimacy in your relationship with God, then I encourage you to read this book. Be teachable and fear the Lord. Now, let me briefly touch on how to be teach-able. We've talked about how to be teachable. Now let's talk about how to be teach-able. We all must be teachable and we must be teach-able. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, We are to worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. This applies to all of us. We all must be ready to explain the hope that we have in Jesus, which means we all must be teach-able. We all must be able to teach about this hope. So step number one in being teach-able is to be ready. We've got to be ready. And the second step to being able to be teach-able is to be responsible. Responsible. We must all be responsible. You see, the purpose of this church is for us to be disciples of Jesus who make disciples for Jesus. That's our purpose. What is a disciple? A disciple is a learner. They're a learner. In fact, that's the very definition of a disciple. A learner. One who learns from and follows his teacher. Now, the Great Commission, as I've talked about many times from this pulpit, is for you and I to make disciples. Now, here it is in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. Here's the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the great co-mission where we are cooperating with the Holy Spirit. He is our helper in this effort. We are not alone. To make disciples, we have to be teach-able. We have to be able to teach. We cannot teach them to obey everything Jesus commands without being teach-able. To be be a disciple ourselves, we must be teachable. And to make disciples, we must be teach-able. Are you with me? Is this making sense? Okay. As followers of Jesus Christ, the great co-mission is our responsibility. To be teach-able, we must be ready and we must be responsible. To be able as he is able, we must be teachable. Are we like the young martial arts student where our cup is full and our master can't teach us nothing? Or have we emptied our cup so we can be teachable? We can either learn and grow by being teachable or we can ignore and go by being unteachable. Which one are you? To be teachable, we must first be humble. Humility is what leads to teachability. We then must seek wisdom. And the primary way this happens is by listening. If we're not listening, we are not learning. Everything about being teachable is summed up in us fearing the Lord. That's how we can be teachable. To be teachable, where we are able to teach, we first must be ready, and then we must be responsible. And we are all responsible for the great commission. As followers of Christ, we must be both teachable and teachable. So here's the question I want to leave you with today. Is your cup empty? Or is it full? Now, last week at the end of service, I introduced a new worship song for us to learn together. And I said that we would be playing this song at the end of each service 
during this message series. So I'm going to ask all of you to please stand with me, and we're going to sing these words together. And I'd love for you to let these words sink deep down into your soul because God is more than able. And we need to live our lives with that truth front and center in all that we are and all that we do. Are you able? Are you able to be more like Jesus? We are not here to be an inward church, right? We're not here to be an inward-focused church. No, we are to go and make an impact for the kingdom of God, for the glory of God. Are you able? God is more than able.
Father, we thank you so much that you can do immeasurably more than we can ever ask or think. You are more than able. Lord, I pray right now that you would empower us to go into all the world and share who you are. Embolden us to be able to do your work. And Lord, all we have to do is to be willing. You've given us your Holy Spirit to do all that we need to do, our helper in this effort, this great co-mission that we're all on together. May we be teachable and may we be teachable together. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us with all that we need to do your work. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you, Lord, that we have all the hope we'd ever need in you. And I pray right now, Father, that there's someone here today who's questioning their life right now, where, where their faith is, if it's really in you. Lord, I pray that they would be certain of that before they leave this room today. Give them, Lord, your Holy Spirit to know, just like John said in the book of 1 John chapter 5, I have written these things so that you may know you have eternal life. Not that we think, but that we know it, Father. May we walk boldly and confidently before you. And thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer of any kind, I would encourage you to come forward so that we can pray together. But thank you, guys. God bless you. That are enjoying the Grizz game today. Go Grizz. <laughs> Amen. <laughs>